Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hey, grab your notes. We're going to dive right in. We are in week two of a really important series. We're calling a series Friend Request. And uh, we use, if you're not sure of the rhythm yet, we use the month of uh, August to talk about friendship and our need for friendship and to talk about community and our need for community and to talk about this in a way that helps us understand more clearly that this is a biblical value, that, that, that this is something deeply embedded in the truth of Holy Scripture. Uh, I was uh, thinking about this because when we began our series last week, we started our series by looking at the early church in the book of Acts. And if you'll remember that um, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, there is in that, in those verses, that's a picture of the early, it's like the only picture we have of the early church. So if you want to know what the church was like back then, you look at those verses. If you want to know if the church you're in is modeling the original prototype, you look at those verses. And so uh, we said in many ways last week, we said it's like a picture because it's worth a thousand words, right? And if you remember, uh, if you were here and you can podcast the message if you weren't, I showed some different pictures that have become sort of iconic pictures for us in America. And one of the pictures I showed last week was this picture. Uh, This is uh, Iwo Jima. This is the battle at Iwo Jima, and they're raising the flag. And I was sharing a little bit of the history of this. And I was preaching last week, and I got through the 1030 service, and I walked out. I'm greeting in the lobby at 1030 service, and a gentleman came up to me, and he goes, I was there when that happened. And I want to show you his picture. This is Bobby. And I looked at him, and I said, Bob, can I have that? And he goes, No. So it was really a cool moment until that happened. But at any rate, um, I just thought that was so cool. And we're using, we, you know, we're just using that imagery to remind us that this is, this truth is deeply embedded uh, in Holy Scripture. And this is an important truth that we have to think about. The bottom line around this, this idea, this truth is embedded in what it means to be a Christ follower. If you were with us last week, in fact, I said this. I said the way God gets his work done through us is by what he does in us. And the most significant part of what happens in us is always determined by who we place around us. Who you have around you matters. It matters a lot. A lot of times, the hinges and the levers as to whether life goes well or doesn't go well is largely determined by who you have around you. And so that's why we take time in August every year and we talk about this truth. We, we, we go right at it because more and more this has become really difficult in this age we live in where the digital age is just driving us all crazy. Would someone say amen to that? It's just sort of overtaken our whole culture. Uh, I was, uh, this past week on Monday, I had to take my truck in. My truck's been messing up. Sorry about that. And, and I had to take it into the shop, and I called my friend on the, our East Campus, and I, and I brought it over to his shop. He took an hour to look at it, and he goes, this is not, he called it, you know, you, the, the phone call you hate to hear, this is not good. And he goes, you got to go up a level. I think you got to go to the dealership with it. And I was like, oh, 
man. So I take it over there, and I drop it off for service. And I go in to get a rental car. And I go in, and y'all, listen, I want to tell you about this experience. I go in, and there's a woman in front of me. She's getting her car, a rental car. I'm next. And uh, she is in front of me, and she's texting the whole time. And she, there's a lady behind the counter that's trying to engage with her, trying to get the rental car. And the whole time she's doing that, I don't think she ever looked this woman in the eye. She's answering all the questions why she's doing this. And then if that wasn't bad enough, this guy comes in behind me, and he is on his phone. And he walks right up, and he, and he gets right, like right behind me. Like, and if you don't understand, I mean like right behind me. I, I want to make sure everybody gets this, like right behind me. And he's yelling at this guy on the phone, and he's going, I told him this, and then I was telling her, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm trying, gosh, this is awkward. We're all listening. And you know, if you ever had that happen, you try not to, you know, you try not to mind their business, but you can't help it. And so I get sucked in, and I'm listening to this conversation. And this guy, and he's going, and then I told him that, and I started thinking, well, that isn't actually what you said. And then he said, so he goes, and then I was reminding her of this. And I thought, no, that's not actually what you said either. And then the third time I wanted to turn around and and wanted to say, you know, can I make some suggestions, you know? And it's just the digital age is everybody. You got to slow down to do it. Take the RPMs down a level or two. And, and, And so now... This week, if I were to give you an idea of what I want to say, if last week was slow down, this week I want to talk to you about how to get real. Okay? And I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that is probably one of the most historic passages of Scripture around this topic. Many of us are going to recognize it, and it's written by uh, John, the beloved disciple, one of the close friends of Jesus. And here's what he says in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Let us love one another. For love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. For whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now this is how God showed us his love among, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another for no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Okay? Let's pray. You know, Lord, would you use this time to say important things to us, even as we have just devoted, you know, a a time this week, at the beginning of the week, for, for, for us to say, Lord, this is the time I've reserved for you by the power of your Spirit to say things to me about my life. Would you come by your spirit, God, and do that just now? Uh, nobody is, is here to hear me, but we are all here to hear you. So you come and say what only you can say and give us the courage not only to hear your words, but to put them in action. 
This we pray in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. So uh, these words were written by uh, John, the beloved disciple. So uh, we've probably heard of the, the Peter, James, and John, who are the close friends of Jesus. Uh, scholars believe that this same guy wrote the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He was sometimes referred to as John the Beloved. And uh, we also know this historically. You may have heard me say, he's the only apostle who escaped martyrdom. There were attempts on his life, but he, but he escaped every time. So he's kind of like the, the biblical Houdini. He just got away. And uh, some scholars say that outside of Paul the Apostle, who wrote almost half the New Testament, that the, the other person that was maybe as most significant as Paul was John the Beloved, because he had this long life, the only, the only one not martyred for his faith. And in fact, one biblical writer I was reading from recently said that, that he finally settled in the region of Ephesus, and we have the book of Ephesians in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament. And when Paul was planting all these churches in the Ephesus region on the Mediterranean coast, that oftentimes, listen to this, John would visit these churches. And even when he got older, that sometimes they would carry him in to some of these churches. And listen to this. One biblical writer said that parents would lift uh, their children up over their heads so they could look over the crowd and watch them carry John the Beloved into the room. Can you imagine what it was like to be there? And then John would speak. And oftentimes what he would say is simply this, love one another. Love one another. About everything else that we might say about the gospel, he would say, love one another. Like it's all we got. And, and that word became so impactful and so uh, uh, powerful that it created a tradition where uh, the, the beloved followers of the way began to be recognized universally as the people who loved better than anybody else loved. Always makes me wonder if the same would be said today. When I became a follower of Jesus, I was 16. And I'll be honest with y'all, I had a rebellious spirit. And I was in a position where I could have gone either way. And I had a friend who said, hey, I, wanted, I want you to come to my church. And I remember going, church? And I, and I went, and, and it was the first time my family had been involved in a church that was as powerful and live by the Spirit. It's now our East Campus. And it changed my life. Never been the same. But we had a, when I went to youth group in that church, we had a song we would sing. Old time Christian folks, are, you're going to remember the song. It, was, it went like this. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. John's message. It's all we got. It's all we got. And when I see these words, and I read these words from the Apostle John, this is the kind of stuff that, that I think about. I think these words are easy to read, but they're more easy to ignore. They're not deep words. They're practical words. And sometimes it's, it's easy to assume 
that what is practical is not profound. Wouldn't you agree? When I was beginning my ministry, I served in a church just up the road, and I was learning to preach. And, and you know, pastors, you, gotta, you have to learn how to preach. And, and I was learning. And the only way you learn how to preach is to do what? Is to preach. I've always wanted to go back to that first church and apologize for my preaching because I was learning, and I wasn't really good. And it, and it was awkward and intimidating. There was this big granite pulpit, and I would stand up in this pulpit like I had all these powerful things to say, and I felt like this skinny, intimidated little kid. My parents were there, and oftentimes after church, my dad would put his arm around me, and he'd say, great job, but you'd make weird hand gestures. Stop that. I still remember him saying that to me. And uh, all this stuff would, 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 would go on. And I remember this. There was a guy in the church one time. He got on my schedule. He took me out to lunch. And he was a guy that was, that was in the church, and he was not particularly kind. Sometimes there are people in the church that are not kind. And he took me out, and he was kind of an intimidating character. And he said to me, he goes, you don't preach deep enough. I, I remember him saying that. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, what is... Um, like, what do you mean by that, and how, how can I improve? I mean, I want to learn, you know. And, and the more he talked, this, is, this is, was my takeaway. I still remember this. My takeaway was this. You're not confusing enough. And I thought, I remember going home thinking, well, I've got a biblical degree. Next week I come in, I can preach Greek to everybody and completely confuse everybody, grow the church to about 10 people, and he'll be happy. Or I could say simple things that make sense to everybody that are profound in their simplicity. And I've learned over the years, the more simple I become, the more profound it actually is. And this is the message John is saying. I mean, think with me about it. What's more profound than this? Hey, love everybody. Excuse me? Love everybody. Everybody you run in con- have run have in, uh, run into contact with, just love them. Be Jesus Christ to them. That's pretty profound. And this is the message that John is trying to get over to us. This is the idea. And in these words, he says three things that I think are still very challenging today, and I want you to understand them because they're at the very heart of what I want us to think about and understand as we move our way through this August series. The first one is simply this. John would say this, real love comes from God. That's what he would want us to know. Real love, the kind we're all craving, it comes from God. In fact, when the biblical writers are telling us about God, God is defined in the entire Bible in four ways. Some of you have heard me say this. Uh, One writer says, God is a consuming fire. That's intimidating. Another writer says, God is light. Another writer says, God is love. That's the one we just read. Another one says, God is spirit. Okay, and I want you to notice, it doesn't say God is like light. It says God is light doesn't say God is like love. You know, he's like love. No, he says God is love. And so real love comes from God. And we get some important cues here for us in our own development as followers of Christ because we see quite literally that real love did come from God. God came in himself 
the incarnation so that we can see it and make sense of it. I have some uh, family and some friends who are not yet followers of Jesus, and I always say refer to them as not yet followers of Jesus because I'm hoping and praying they will one day embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. You probably have friends like, family like, that, like that too. And, um, and, and every now and again, when they get bumped around in church or they see something they don't like or they have a question they can't pass, you know what I'll often say? I tell them this. I say, just focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus, because when you see Jesus, you are seeing God in human flesh. Just focus on him. And see, here's what I want to remind everybody around this point. Knowledge is never enough. It's not enough for you to just know things about God. And so God sent, watch this, himself, so that when we see Jesus and we see Jesus' face, our knowledge now connects with the emotion connected in that relationship, and transformation can take place. This is a really important thing that we need to understand, and this is part of the way we're wired. It's not just knowing religious things. It's connecting them to the face of Christ. That's why the writer, John the writer, said this, we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. This past Friday, many of y'all know that uh, I've, I've shared, I think, our, our younger daughter and her new husband are going to be moving back to our area. They're, they're, they're building a brand new Chick-fil-A they're going to be part of uh, and down on Atlantic and, and military. And so part of my deal as a dad, I've been going down every week and I take pictures of it as it's coming out of the ground because I want to send them and let them see. In fact, I I did that when they poured the foundation. I went down and took a picture of my feet on the foundation and said, I'm the first one to stand on this. <laughs> Click. And so I told Beth on Friday, I said, you know, we date on Friday. I said, let's date. Let's, let's up our game. Let's go down and take pictures. It's been a week. And then and let's go. Let's spend a little more money. Let's, let's go down to a really nice restaurant down there. There's a restaurant I've been thinking about when I drove past. It's on the beach. And I said, let's go down and we'll take pictures and we'll go to the restaurant. So we do that on Friday and we're sitting there. We're having this wonderful Italian meal. And there's this table that's over from us filled with the, all these older guys at the table. And they're loud. And I'm trying not to pay attention. I'm trying to focus on Beth. She deserves all my attention. And I'm focusing on her. And, and I hear these guys and they're, they're, they're almost kind of like yelling at each other. They're talking politics. And there's some guy that's beating up. President Trump and then some other guys beating up President Obama and they're just they're just going out and finally this guy turns around and he just taps me on the shoulder. And he said, "I'm sorry. I hope we're not interrupting your dinner." And I wanted to go, "Well, actually." But but I I said, "No, no, it's okay." He goes, "I, I want you to understand something." And he goes, he goes, "We have we've been meeting in this same spot every Friday night for the last 8 years." And he said, we're all, we're all in, in, in local government. And he goes, this is the current mayor of Delray. This is the past mayor of Delray. This is a city commission. Oh, in fact, I want to show you the picture. Here they are. There they are right there. And uh, I took their picture. I said, I want to take your picture. And one guy goes, are you the police? <laughs> and I'm like, should I be the police? I mean, I don't know. And the guy on the other side in the ball cap, he owns the restaurant. And then I look to my left, and I want to show you this picture. Here, here they are. There's, there's a picture of them. And, and then go back to the other one there, and you, you can see them there. In fact, you can see all the alcohol at the table. So you know this is not an official Community of Hope sanctioned small group. 
Okay. And uh, the guy says, he goes, you know, we have some people that are in the picture that are no longer at the table. And he goes, you know what we do every, every week? He goes, we, we come together and watch this. He goes, we set our differences aside and we just talk with one another as human beings. And when he said that, I thought, that is a novel idea. Somebody ought to do that. Y'all, that was supposed to be funny. I mean, imagine that, setting differences aside and talking to one another as human beings. Who ever thought of such a thing, right? Now, here's the thing. The idea that I'm talking about today is, is basically simply that, only inviting Jesus to the table. That's what it is. And, and, and real love comes uh, from God. Knowledge is never enough. So we need the emotion of relationships to help us. But here's what we always need to remember, right? And this is the scary part. Real love is always sacrificial, and it's always messy. That's just true. If you get to 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, look at how John says it. Now, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's messy. And this is love, not that we loved God, but rather that he loved us. And he sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So not only do we need the heart to connect with the head, we need the mix and the messiness of life to help us grow. This is what God does within us. And here's what I want to say as a pause moment. Some of us are not fully developed yet in our Christian faith. Why? Because you're living solitary religion. And it doesn't work. One of the ways God gets his work done in us is when we make a radical commitment to step into the messiness of life with other human beings and see what God would say to all of us in that process. And it's, it's messy. In fact, I love it. G.K. Chesterton said one time, he said, listen to this. He goes, the Christian ideal... Uh, is so often, it's not that it has, it has been tried and found wanting. Rather, it's been found difficult and left untried. It's true. Uh, one of my heroes of the faith is a guy I want to show you his picture. His, his name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor, a German pastor. He was a theologian. He was an anti-Nazi dissident who left Germany due to Hitler, and he ended up feeling called by God to go back to help the resistance movement to get Jews out of Germany. He was arrested in 1943 when he got back over there, and he, was, he spent a year and a half in Tegel Prison, and then they transferred him to a Flossenburg concentration camp where he lived together. And listen to what he says in this book. He says, In innumerable ways and in innumerable times, whole communities have broken down because they sprung from what I would refer to as a wish dream. Listen to what he says here. The serious follower of Christ sets down for the first time in Christian community is likely to bring with him or with her a very definite idea of what Christian life should be. And then they set out to realize it. Now listen, but, but by God's grace, God speedily shatters such dreams. 
And just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so we must first be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment of other people, of Christians in general, and if we are fortunate, ourselves. What is he saying? He's saying that God uses the messiness of human relationships to get his work done in us. And sometimes we have such a vision of a perfect community, we don't want to step in where it's messy. We'll just stay to ourselves. And here's what he says. You do that to your own peril. And we all know that's true. I remember when Beth and I got married, we were going to have a perfect marriage. It's going to be perfect. And then literally 48 hours into our honeymoon, we were not speaking to one another. I don't remember even what it was about. I do remember it was her fault, but I don't remember what it was about. I'm always courageous when she's not in the room. Have you noticed that? Here's the thing, when, when life connects with life, it's just, it's messy. But, but here's what John would say. We'd, we'd bring John in on a stretcher and he would say, when you, when you love one another, even when it's messy, God does something inside of you. And here's the last thing he would say before I close. He'd remind us it's worth it. It's worth it. We, we've all heard that little phrase. Let me see if you can remember that. It's better to have loved and lost than what? You read the same stuff I do. It's true. It's just worth it. And in verse 11 and 12, notice what he says. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love, here it comes, is made complete in us. So if we don't engage in this practice, here's what he would say. Your love is incomplete because you have made it about yourself. And it's not about yourself. That's really fun to say. You should try that. Don't make it about yourself. Be, be willing to get your hands dirty in Christian community. Let what, here's, here's a dangerous prayer. Let God shatter your dreams that it's going to be perfect. Because on the other side of it is Christian maturity. And here's what I think John would say to us. It's time to grow up in Christ. Christ in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Lord, I pray for all of my friends. I pray that you'd give us the courage to step into the messiness of Christian community, that you would challenge anybody who's here today that we've just been living a solitary Christian experience. We've been hurt by church. We've been hurt by church people. Whatever, whatever the narrative might be, Lord, give us the courage to step back pass that and say, now it's time that I just invest into the messiness of life. I'm going to bring my messiness. It's going to run into somebody else's messiness. And as a result of that, you're going to do what only you can do and bring Christian maturity as a result through that. And we would say, God, by the power of your grace, 
Would you do it? Would you do it? This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. So I want to ask you to stand. And here's what we're going to do. We're just going to send you out early because what I want you to do is I want you to go sign the, sign the banner. And remember when you signed the banner, we already said it, his banner over me is what? Love. Take a picture and just remember that God goes with you. And will you, by his grace, go and be the people he has called you to be, salt and light and love in a world that's lost its way? so that all may know Christ, who is the hope of glory. Go in his peace. We'll see you next weekend.